Hello, IABC members, and welcome to the latest episode of the IABC Edmonton podcast. The video, I posted it on Monday, July 6th at uh, 11.30 p.m. and went to bed at midnight with six hits. The next morning I had 300 and then 5,000 by lunch, 25,000 by dinner, and four days later a million. The IABC Edmonton podcast is a great way to sharpen your professional skills and learn some new ones. Some companies might have said this is an opportunity to do the customer service paradox where you take somebody who's a detractor and turn them into your biggest ambassador by acknowledging what you're doing and they missed all of those steps and so there could have been an opportunity for them to turn this into something good but I think the airline would have just hoped that it never happened. Sounds like a great topic. Let's get started. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of the IABC Edmonton podcast. I'm Marvin Polis, an IABC Edmonton past president and currently president of Stimulant Strategies and Stimulant Media Productions. I recently had the opportunity to interview Dave Carroll about his iconic viral video, United Breaks Guitars, at the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers National Conference. Thanks to CAPS, by the way, for facilitating this interview. As you'll probably remember, Dave's video caught the world by surprise and became one of the top 10 videos that year on Time Magazine's list of viral videos. Dave says it all started when United Airlines mishandled his expensive guitar and then mishandled the customer service. Here's Dave's story. I was a full-time musician for 20 years with my brother Don in our band called Sons of Maxwell before that video was was launched. And I traveled the world with uh, my brother as independent singer-songwriters. We had a great career, didn't have million-dollar record deals or any of that stuff, but I did manage to make my living doing only music, the thing I was most passionate about for 20 years. So we were wildly successful, I guess, in that sense, in the music business. And uh, we were traveling with the band, a couple extra musicians, to Nebraska, and we stopped in Chicago, and that's where my guitar got broken and uh, changed my life. The guitar got broken, and it wasn't for another nine months before I finally talked to a customer service rep that put the definitive no on the, on the exchanges, and she said that uh, I didn't open a claim within 24 hours, and United's policy was that they weren't going to do anything about it. So if, if I had written that song on day two, it would have been a much different song. But because it took nine months for me to get through my anger and go through this process, it almost became a comedy of errors, and the song, I, I ended up being satirical and funny in how I approached it. And that made all the difference in the world, I think. Yeah, so nine months went by, and that's when I wrote the song. So what was going through your mind at the time? Were you thinking, well, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to spout off about this. I'm a musician. I'm a songwriter. Let, let's write a song, put it on YouTube, see what happens. It wasn't a priority. I waited until, I guess, uh, my wife is a customer service manager at the phone company, so she sees people like me on a daily basis, the angriest of the angry people. And she was always coaching me to be nice to the people and follow the chain And when they shut the conversation down and said there would be no compensation and it was my fault essentially then I said well I've got other tools at my disposal and that's when I said I was going to do the song and everything changed from that point on because I stopped really being angry right away because I was doing something that I love to do and I was reclaiming my personal power and I was laughing at the situation as I wrote the song and then I brought my friends together and it took seven months to get the video out because it well, again it wasn't a huge priority for me it was in my spare time my brother became a full-time firefighter the year before, so he and I were playing Sons of Maxwell shows, and I was playing my own solo shows, and I said, in the meantime, I'm going to do this United thing. I had mulling around in my head, found some great friends in the, in the film business who helped me make the video, and so for $150, we made that first video, and went to the Waverly Fire Hall, where I was a volunteer at the time, and uh, we shot it all there for $150 in basically a day. Launched the video not long after, and, and things went ballistic. Now, you launched it on YouTube, of course, and how fast 
did it go ballistic and, and how ballistic did it go? Well, this was the early days of social media, and it really was a truly organic example of social media because I didn't have any social media strategy of any kind, really, and I wasn't savvy in any way. The video, I posted it on Monday, July 6th at uh, 11.30 p.m. and went to bed at midnight with six hits. The next morning I had 300 and then 5,000 by lunch, 25,000 by dinner, and four days later a million. And my goal was a million hits with all three of the videos that I had promised the airline in one year. And I ended up getting a million in four days. And how big did it go from there? The YouTube count's sitting at 16 million. So there are, in the last seven years, there are many videos that have received way more hits. But I think what made mine unique was that it really was organic. I sent out two messages, one to everybody in the glory days of Facebook, where one message would hit everybody. I had 400 friends, and I had 300 friends in my Outlook Express database, and I sent one message to each group saying, please watch this video, and that's the last two times I've ever asked anyone to really watch it. I think it's really an important note here is that, as you've mentioned, there are videos that have gone viral to a greater extent, but yours was one of the first seriously viral videos ever. It was certainly one of the first as, as a consumer advocacy type of thing, and, and I approached it as a legitimate, serious songwriting effort with great production, like I would any other song. And that was a key component that I didn't sort of just whittle it away and say, uh, this doesn't really matter. I put everything I had into that song the same I would for any other song, and the musicians who played on it approached it that way, and the, the filmmakers, we didn't have much of a script, and it was very low budget, but the equipment and the skill that went into handling the instrumentation and the production was top-notch. Well, we did speak, on the, ironically, on the day that it hit a million, we spoke with the people at United, and we had a conversation, and they said, it's regretful what's happened. I noticed right away they didn't say, I'm sorry. They said, it's regretful, so they regarded it in their language. And uh, they said they'd like to offer $1,200 in flight vouchers as compensation because that's what I had asked for seven months earlier because the guitar had been repaired for $1,200. So they had said no to $1,200 in flight vouchers until the video went viral, at which point they offered that. And so I said, no, thank you. I decided that uh, I wouldn't take the compensation that was coming because thousands of people were emailing me from all over the world saying, you're doing something good for customers. Some of them were saying, don't take the compensation. And I was cognizant of the fact that some of my close friends had given up some time and to make this video for me, and we were doing something more important than that. So. I said no thank you to that. Now Dave, I understand that you've had some conversations with United since then. Tell me about that. I actually went to Chicago in September and I was playing a show there and I was invited to speak to three vice presidents of the airline. So I got a tour of the area, went up in the tower and watched some planes take off at O'Hare Airport. And uh, to their credit, they took turns apologizing on behalf of each of their departments. And a lot of people had said, uh, it's too little too late, isn't it, Dave? It's not. And saying you're sorry is never a bad idea. And it didn't change much of the way I was doing, but at least I felt they were acknowledging that they did something wrong. I think they were caught flat-footed because of the popularity. Nothing like that I don't think had ever happened before quite like that. And so a lot of people have done studies on this. There's been like 400 books that have been written that talk about this in one way or another. And some of the thesis on some of these books has been that they did everything they shouldn't have done. And so some companies might have said, this is an opportunity to do the customer service paradox, where you take somebody who's a detractor and turn them into your biggest ambassador by acknowledging what you're doing, and they missed all of those steps. And so there could have been an opportunity for them to turn this into something good, but I think the airline would have just hoped that it never happened. Now, since that time, speaking of books, you have become an author. You've written a book about your experiences. You speak about your experiences at events such as this. Tell us about all of that. When this happened, I was just a singer-songwriter, and very quickly I was invited for my first speaking event, and I fell into it, and I decided that 
I loved it, the first gig I had. I was very nervous about it because I had never really done any public speaking. Even in the band, my brother did most of the talking. And so I said yes to the speaking gig to 700 of the biggest brands in the world at a huge event. I learned a lot, I guess, about myself in that experience because I was questioning why I should be there. I had no speaking experience. They were using me as the kickoff to their most important event of the year. And I realized that I was just there to tell my story and how important storytelling is and that uh, each one of us has a unique story. You just have to find an effective way to tell it. And if you can do that, there's magic in that for everybody and an opportunity to have the legitimacy to, to be on a big stage. We now live in a world where the gatekeepers aren't there anymore, where the gatekeepers at one time would have said, yeah, we're not going to air this. But now things are very different. People such as yourself can have a message and you can get it out there to the world without the gatekeepers. So authenticity is a really important thing and integrity is a really important thing. And I think that's something that's really notable about this music video that you created is that both of those aspects were there in spades. Integrity is so important. I think you have to be today more than ever because you are so exposed. It used to be that you could control the message. PR companies, if you had enough money, you would just keep blasting out the message and people would buy into that. But you're a lot more visible and one detractor can take you down. And so you have to be congruent in everything you say and do. You have to be the person you say you are. And if you have these gaping holes in your integrity, it'll get exposed and there goes the foundation of everything you stand upon. So that it's not really what you say now, it's, it's who you are, who the person is that's it and do they have the integrity behind the message. Now Dave I want to ask you because a lot of things have transpired in your life as a result of this particular viral video. Now do you still perform music? Are you still a musician? I sure do. Uh, my focus I guess now has been more on the business side of the speaking because I actually killed two birds with one stone. I do incorporate music into my presentations. I always start with United Breaks Guitars, but I always finish with a song that has nothing to do with customer service on the surface, but I tie it all together. And I want people to always remember that they're watching a singer who speaks rather than a speaker who sings. They say dance with the one that brung you. So I still see myself as a songwriter and a musical content creator and a storyteller. And I don't differentiate between the two. So kind of an unintentional career for you. Sometimes it's about serendipity. I was the luckiest guy in the world. If this had happened today, it would not have gone viral because so many things have happened. It had to happen when it did in my life, in the Sons of Maxwell's transition. It was also a slow news time in July of 2009 when the video went up. If it had have been during the election with Trump, that never would have gotten any airplay. All these things had to happen, and I am grateful every time I tell this story in my events because I get to celebrate the gratitude again and again. Great thoughts, Dave. Thanks for joining us and sharing your experiences about going viral with United Breaks Guitars. Thank you very much. Thanks again for joining us for the IABC Edmonton podcast. I'm your host, past president Marvin Polis. Be sure to join us next time.